Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Look at this man, Isaac. Now, just to get us on the right track, You will remember that Abraham did not have a son, a child, by Sarah. He had Ishmael by a handmaid of Sarah, Hagar, and he had a servant, Eliezer. And he wanted to make this servant his heir. But God denied him that right and told him that he would have a son. Although Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah is 90, they're going to have a child and eventually Sarah does have a child even at this old age and they call his name Isaac. Now I'm sure that Abraham had tremendous pride in having this son and expected him to be the heir of all his earthly possessions and would carry on the family name would be the head of the family but there comes a day when Isaac is uh, a young man perhaps we don't know exactly late teens early 20s that God spoke to Abraham in a very dynamic way and told him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice Seemingly to undo exactly what what God had told Abraham was, was going to happen. So Isaac is born and now God has instructed Abraham to take him to a particular location called Mount Moriah and there to offer him as a sacrifice to God. The scripture tells us in the very beginning of the 22nd chapter that it was a test placed upon Abraham to see if he would in fact be obedient. I do not doubt at all that we undergo tests from time to time at the hand of God to determine how faithful we really are going to be to him. When we're asked to do or be something that seems to be totally beyond any reason or any of our capabilities and certainly beyond our desires. Abraham did not want to do anything of this nature, to kill his son and burn his body on an altar, but God had instructed him to do it, and since God had issued the orders, Abraham intended to carry them out. Whether he believed in it or not, or whether he thought it was right, whether he understood the reasons why, he nevertheless was going to be faithful. This points out, I think, to all of us that there is not within us the need to understand everything about God's will. Our expectation, that is, that which is expected of us, is simply to be obedient. As that old phrase is, ours is not to wonder why, ours is but to do or die. And that really is the bottom line for the Christian. 
It makes little difference whether we understand fully what the scripture has to say or what, how we fit into a pattern or why things happen the way we do, they do. We can't possibly comprehend it. For our viewpoint of any given situation is very narrow and up close. If we were way off looking at the overall scope of things, we would see things differently. It's as if we were crossing the road totally uh, uh, unaware that there was a runaway truck coming around the curve that we could not see. We would have no concern or no awareness of the pending uh, death that, that was facing us. But for the person who is high on the mountain and has an overall view, he can see the episode that is about to take place. God is in that high position and he knows the entire purpose for which he has established the world and how we fit into that picture. I believe sincerely that every individual has a specific place in God's work. And if we will not fulfill our obligation, it may be necessary for him to turn and get somebody else to do it. But it's to, it's to us that he has made the assignment. But he has also likewise given us the will to reject and refuse that if we want it. And so the test came to Abraham. Will he or won't he be obedient to a seemingly uh, irresponsible act? To a, uh, an act that seems to be ready to undo everything that God has said that he was going to do. But Abraham takes God at his word, and so he takes his son Isaac, and he heads toward Mount Moriah. Three years ago or so, I preached a sermon called Mount Moriah, Mount Calvary, and made the, the parallels, and I'm not going to do much of that tonight, to show you the comparison of the offering of Isaac to the offering of Christ. Isaac was to be offered upon Mount Moriah, Christ upon Mount Calvary. And so he laid upon Isaac the wood for the fire, and of course the cross was laid upon Christ as they both went forth to their mountain. And uh, they went there together, and, and Isaac says to his father, we have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And uh, Abraham responded to his son and said that the Lord will provide the sacrifice. And on they went. What tremendous faith. Abraham was not saying, I expect to find a, a ram caught by his horns up there. He was saying, God has already provided. He provided you. You are the sacrifice. Although Isaac did not personally know this. In fact, I probably never knew it until the time came for the actual sacrifice. Abraham ties his son and puts him on the altar and raises a knife to, to kill him and then he would set fire to the, the altar and, and burn his son as a sacrifice. At that point, God stops his hand because God now knows that Abraham will do, will be obedient to whatever God will say. And the question, of course, that comes to you and to me is, would we be that faithful to God and go to whatever length? and in a test that, my, that God might place upon us. But that's talking about Abraham. We often don't think about Isaac in this episode. 
Isaac is not a little little kid. Isaac is a strapping young man with strong muscles that he could very easily have overcome his father, who is over 100 years old now, and have uh, kept that from happening. But look at the obedience that Isaac had to do what uh, his father had said was the will of God. And in the 16th verse of the 22nd chapter then, God speaks, Because thou hast done this thing, and you have not withheld your only son, I will bless you. There's how we get a blessing from God. Is to be so obedient to him that he knows there is nothing that we would not do if he commanded it. From that... This man got a blessing. All right. This is Abraham and Isaac. But you may remember back in the 11th chapter that Abraham had two brothers. One was Nahor and one was Haran. And uh, Haran was the father of Lot, but Haran died as a young, uh, young man, although he had already was married and had a son. But he died young, and uh, Abraham took Lot to, to live with him. But that leaves Nahor, the other brother. And, and in Nahor's family, things are beginning to happen. He's gotten married, and he has produced children. And so there is, there is the beginning of another side of the family. And if you'll notice in the chapter 22, verse 21, that Nahor had some children. He had a guy by the name of Huz and another by the name of Buzz. You know, those are, uh, what do you call that, buzzwords? You know, Huz and Buzz, that's sort of like uh, uh, Jacob and Esau or some others, uh, Don and, and Dan. You know, I get those always back mixed up, or whether it's Donnie or Danny. I never know which one I'm saying until I get it all messed up and realize I've done it wrong. Uh, so he had those two boys, and he had another one named Kimuel and another one named Chesed. I wish they'd figure out how to pronounce English names back in those days, but they don't. Hazo and Vildash and uh, some others, but the, the last one is named Bethuel, if that's the right pronunciation, or Bethuel. This youngest son has a daughter. Her name is Rebecca. Now, remember that this is a family way off back home in Haran, where Abraham left the rest of his family to start towards Canaan. And there have been children born, and, and uh, one of these children to one of the sons of Nahor, who is the brother Abraham, uh, he has a daughter with the name of Rebekah. Okay. Keep that in your mind a minute and go back to Abraham. Sarah in verse chapter 23 is now getting old. He's, uh, she is 127 years old and she dies. And uh, Isaac is getting up to marrying age. And Abraham is getting old. He's well over 100 years now. He's 137 years probably at this time. And and Abraham begins to worry about the fact that Isaac doesn't have a wife. He's getting close to 40. And got married yet. And Abraham calls Eliezer, his, 
favorite uh, servant to him that had been in charge of his house and said, I want you to promise me something, that you will go back to my homeland amongst my own people and you will find a wife for Isaac. Don't you take a wife for him out of these Canaanite people. You get one from, from, from our family. I want you to promise me that you'll go back to my country, to my kindred, and you'll take a wife for Isaac. That's what he said in verse 4 of the 24th chapter. And so this servant packs up on camels and donkeys and servants and heads toward Mesopotamia, back to the town of Nahor. And if you'll go to the 12th verse, I want you to notice something about this man who is the servant. He prays. And he says in the 12th verse, and he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Tremendous prayer. Asking God to bless this episode, this mission that he is on. I doubt that very often at the beginning of our day as we start out on a mission that day that many of us pause and ask God's blessing upon it. It's a mistake that we make. Certainly a, a definite mistake. He prayed that God would bless what he was about to do. Look at verse 13. He is at a water well in the city of Nahor when he makes his prayer. He has arrived where is, at his destination and he starts his prayer. Look, I want you to look at the rest of his prayer. Verse 13. He says, Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. That was what girls did. They carried the water. They came to the well with their pots and they carried water back home. They uh, watered the flocks and all sorts of things. This was so. He says, God, girls are coming out of the city to, to draw water. Now, he asked God to do something. Verse 14. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels water also. Lest the same be she, let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. Therefore shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. What's he praying? God, girls are going to come out of town to draw water. The girl that I asked for a drink, let that be the one you've selected. If young men and young women prayed God's blessing upon their selection of mates. God would honor that. Oftentimes we go off on our own. Uh, I don't suppose there's many of us here tonight that got married based upon our requesting that God be involved in the process. That seems to be left out for the most part. But he, he was not left out of the process of selecting a wife for Isaac. And he so he put this request before God. And notice in the 15th verse, and it came to pass before he had done speaking. In other words, he was still praying. 
It came to pass while he was still praying, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with a pitcher upon her shoulder, and the damsel was very fair to look upon pretty, a virgin, neither had any man known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her. First girl he saw, boy, was she a beauty. And uh, a fine-looking young lady. And the servant, Eliezer, ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Remember what he prayed? Now he puts it into action, and he asked her. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. That's just what he prayed. And immediately he got his answer. Immediately. This man must have been a tremendous man of faith. We pray and say, oh, well, I don't guess it will ever come about that way. But not this man. So he does some inquiring about who she is. But I want you to go to verse 36. She, she identifies herself. And uh, he asks her if, if there's possibly room in their house where he and his men could stay and if they had room for their livestock, their candles and so on. And she said, yeah, we have plenty of room. Come on, you stay at our house. And I want you to notice Eliezer's response in verse 26. And the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. What did he say? Thank you, Lord. Did you hear Betty just a little bit ago say, thank you, Jesus? How many times after her prayers did she say that? Every prayer. Betty, I've ever heard you pray. You close it out with those words. That's what we ought to be doing. Even in advance of the response, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. But we won't do that unless we believe it. This man prayed. This man got the response to his prayer immediately, although we won't always get that. And we're not told in the Bible that we will. But this man did. And when he got his answer, he thanked the Lord for the answer. Now that's devotion to God. So, he makes known his reason, and over in verse 29 of the same chapter, there's an interesting little episode. I just can't pass up with, without you noticing it. Verse 29, Rebecca had a brother. His name was Laban. Uh, and Laban ran out unto the man, that is to Eliezer, unto the well. And it came to pass that when he saw, I want you to know what he saw. He saw the earrings and the bracelets on his sister's hand. You see, the Eliezer had, had adorned Rebekah with, with rings and bracelets and earrings and all this kind of stuff. He'd given her gifts and she put them on. My goodness. Uh, Laban saw all of this tremendous wealth that suddenly her sister, his sister had. And when he heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, saying, Thus said the man unto me, 
that he came unto the man and beheld, that is, um, Laban came to Eliezer and looked. And he saw the camels. Now, what is going on here? Laban is well taken that his sister has come into wealth. She has been honored by being given all of these gifts and it perks up Laban's ears and he is excited that somebody has come from way off somewhere and Rebecca met him at the well and she got all these gifts and he runs out the well and he sees, my goodness, the man's wealthy. Look at all the camels and all the stuff that he's brought and all the servants and he is excited and look what he does in verse 31. And Laban said, he said, come in thou blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? <laughs> Can't you just see that happening? A, a, a brother of, of a, a girl who is excited. I mean, all this wealth really turns him on. And he invites the guy in. He opens the door. What are you standing out there for? Come on in. Uh, it's, it's a little, to me, a little humor to see the human side of this guy Laban. We don't uh, hear a whole lot about Laban, except Laban becomes the uh, father-in-law of Jacob. When he had, when Jacob had to work for for his wives, who were the the daughters of Laban, Rachel and Leah, and where he worked seven years to get Rachel and got fooled and got Leah instead, and had worked seven more years to get her. That guy must have loved that girl. Well, I know. Anybody worked fourteen years for one girl? I, I I'm not so sure about him, but he surely did. Uh, he loved her that much. Uh, but this is the Laban. And here he is, just, you know, thrown open the doors. Come on in. With all of that wealth, you can come in. And uh, so, uh, Eliezer identifies his purpose and explains that he has come looking for a wife for his servant, uh, for his master, Isaac. And they hear all this, and Matthew well makes a statement in verse 50 of chapter 24. And Laban joins in with, with his father and, and responds. And he says, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. This is God's will. We can't say it's good or bad. It's God's will. I do not believe that we recognize God's will working in our lives nearly as much as we ought. Things happen to us and we say it's luck or it's chance. Listen, there may be some things that happen by chance. I don't think there's such a thing as luck when you come right down to it, although we use the term. Things may happen to us by chance. But how many times has it been the hand of God directing the show that brought about the episode? How many times? I made some reference to that this morning in my little episode on the road of having to have a fire extinguisher. And two guys happened to come along whom I knew and, and were coming to Charleston. I do not at all, after reflecting on that, think those were chance happenings. It wasn't just luck. Had I not pulled off that intersection, there might have been some tragedy with, with an automobile burning on the highway that I couldn't get stopped. There's all kinds of possibilities. The Lord's hand is in our lives more often than we want to recognize. And we need to stop like this servant and say, Thank you, Lord. 
tell you, I thanked him yesterday. And so, Rebecca is put on the spot. Rebecca's mother says, well, she can go, but hang around for about ten days and let us have a celebration and say goodbye to her and all those things. And, and uh, the servant says no, over in, in the fifth verses in the fifties there. She says, no, I, I must go. Let her go. And her mother says, well, let's ask Rebecca and see what she says. In verse 58, they called Rebecca and said unto her, will you go with this man? She said, I'll go. I will go. And uh, they start the trip. And they get near where Abraham and Isaac live, and Rebecca sees some young man far in the distance, catches her eye, and asks the servant, verse 64 and following, uh, who that is. And the servant says, that's my master Isaac. And she covered her face as was the tradition. And they meet. They get married, and she, be, she becomes his wife, and then there's a tragedy. She can't have any children. Another girl is not able to bear. Verse 20 of the 25th chapter says that Isaac was 40 years old. He took Rebekah as his wife. She was the daughter of Bethuel, sister to Laban. And again, another prayer. And the word entreated is used in verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord. The word entreated is an important and a very valuable word. If we want something out of the Lord, we've got to really know that we really want it. It's not a case of an off-handed prayer. Off-handed prayers, I think, accomplish it. If we just simply say on the end of our, our prayers, God forgive us our sins, I don't think our sins are forgiven. There's no sincerity, no entreating in that, no pleading, no, no recognition uh, that God certainly could, uh, could accept or honor if we are going to be just flippant in our prayers. But we need to be so serious about our praying that we could use the word entreat. Entreat means more than casual words. Entreat is going to mean prayers that is often uh, accompanied by tears. Entreating means prayers that might force us to our knees and we cry out, even in agony, and pleading that God would respond. Entreating is not the, the prayer that uh, has flowery language in it. Entreating is getting down to brass tacks and saying, God, here's my problem. This is my plea. And sticking with it. The kind of prayer that Jesus did in the garden when he swept drops of blood for you and me, he was entreating the Lord that if it was possible, this episode of his life might pass away. And he concluded, however, that prayer by saying, nevertheless, it's not what I want, but what, what your will is. And God held him to it. Entreating does not always mean that we're going to escape what might be facing us, but entreating means that we are pleading with the Lord for, for our desires and our needs. It's not only our needs that he will respond to, but it's, 
It's the desires that we have. If you want something bad enough and will pray long enough and hard enough and serious enough about it, you'll certainly get an answer from God one way or the other. And I earnestly believe that a good, faithful Christian can turn the ear of God and get him to say yes when he might not even want to say yes. He will do it out of respect for us who have him treated long enough and hard enough to, to make sure that he understands that we mean business. And so he will grant us our petition because we stay with our prayer. And Isaac entreated the Lord, and the Lord was entreated, so that verse says, and results. Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Now sometimes we get more than we bargained for when we pray, and this was the case of, of uh, Isaac. They're going to have twins. You know, you pray for a baby, and if you get twins, it's not always uh, twice as much fun, I guess. Uh, sometimes it's double trouble, and this was the beginning of trouble in this family, in that there was a struggling, even in the womb, between these two boys that were about to be born, and we'll deal with Jacob and Esau in another sermon, who were the sons about to be born, and they were fighting before they ever got out of the womb. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's trouble, uh, if, if that happens. I don't know if any of you had twins or whether that happened to you or not, but they were at it already. And, uh, but we have a man here that I think we need not overlook. And one part of his life I'll leave till we get to, uh, to Jacob and Esau about his being deceived. But a man who was devoted well enough to God that he would give his life in sacrifice and so devoted to God that he could pray to the Lord and the Lord would respond and open the womb of his wife so that she might bear children. That's the kind of a person that gives us inspiration when we look into the Old Testament somebody as a guide, an example. Look to Isaac, a man willing to give his life, a man capable of praying to God and getting an answer. That's Isaac. Let's us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.